Welcome in everyone to 32 Beat Beyond the Tweets. My name is Zach Hajduk and today I'm here with Titans expert Justin Graver. Justin is a digital producer with Fox Sports and host of the Tennessee Titans podcast, The Music City Audible, which you can also find on YouTube and you should look for it there. A lot of good stuff, including a recent film breakdown of Will Levis over the past two games. You guys should definitely check that out. And if you're looking for him on Twitter or X, you can find him at Titans Film Room. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Zach. That was a hell of an intro. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, we try to, you know, plug you guys as much as we can. We don't exist without you, and uh, we appreciate everything you do. So, yeah, you're a great follow on Twitter, and then, of course, everything you do uh, with the podcast and everything over there. I've been listening and watching, you know, everything that you've been doing for a little while now, so it's good to have you on. Um, if you don't mind, just, you know, the Titans, I I've been really excited to talk to you because, they're in a weird but also kind of interesting and cool place right now. I think if you would have told me that halfway through the season, Will Levis was starting, um, you know, late July, I would have been like, oh, that's not good. But from where we're at right now, that actually seems like it, it, like it's been kind of an encouraging thing, you know, through the offseason. And as our listeners know, we are really heavy in the offseason. There was a lot of stuff like, well, Will Levis is coming in, even though he's a second round pick and he's currently behind Malik Willis. Um, and it's just yeah, it just seems like that script has kind of been flipped a little bit, especially with his first start there. Give us just, if you don't mind, like, what is the current state of the Titans? Yeah, it's kind of funny you mentioned all that because I'll just back it up a little bit. So after the week three loss, the Titans week three loss to the Browns, where they just got destroyed 27 to three, the offense couldn't do anything. They had the fewest number of total yards since the franchise moved to the state of Tennessee. So Ooh. really bad showing in that week. And it got all of us podcasters like me and my co-host saying, you know what? Maybe a little early for this conversation, but let's be real. This season's not going anywhere. Sure. Let's see what the youngsters have, whether that's Malik Willis or Will Levis. Mm -hmm. Give them a chance to start, and let's just see, because you got a, a crazy draft class of quarterbacks coming up. You need to know if you're going to have a high pick, which it's trending that you're, the team's not good, so you're probably going to have a high pick. You need to know if you need to spend it on a quarterback or if you already have your guy. And it was a little early back then to be having that conversation, but I, I, did remember, I do remember saying, like, the one of these two guys doesn't give you the best chance to win, mm. but it doesn't matter because you need to find out what you have in them. Well, fast forward to now, Will Levis gives this team the best chance to win right now, which is crazy yeah. because Ryan Tannehill sort of was in almost the exact same situation in 2019, came in off the bench for Marcus Mariota and took a team that was, I think, like three and five at the moment at that time when he came in to they went to the AFC championship game and almost beat the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes the year they won the super bowl. So it was a sort of a full circle moment for Tannehill to be benched now for a guy that is a totally different spot in his career than Tannehill was, but will Levis, I think the, the state of the Titans right now is still this year doesn't really matter. I don't think as far as wins and losses go this year matters to see just how good will Levis can be and to have a better understanding of what you need to do to support him. So like the offensive line, for example, the receiving weapons, for example, like what do you really need to attack in the draft and free agency to best support Will Levis? Sure. And right now it's kind of like just exciting times to see what this young kid can do. Got that gunslinger, Jay Cutler, Brett Favre type of mentality where he's going to 
attack down the field. And that's really fun to watch, even if it's not always going to be completed. I think he had the, the second highest average depth of target in, of all quarterbacks in week nine. And it's like just to see these things so early in his career when he was viewed as a pro ready quarterback, but a guy that was going to need, you know, a lot of play action, a lot of pro style, like run heavy offense type of stuff. Cause that's what he did at Kentucky. And to see him like, I think that you could build a passing, a drop back passing offense around him where he doesn't need to rely on play action, doesn't need a strong running game because we've seen in that Steelers game, he converts a first and 23 backed up thrown out of his own end zone, converts a third and 13, a couple possessions later. It's like with, with the Titans, when you had a first and 23 and you had a third and 13, if you got behind the sticks at all, mm. that was going to be just like a run, run, maybe a screen pass, short throw to try to break a tackle, but mostly keep it safe. Don't turn it over and punt the ball. And now you're like, Will Levis can convert those plays. So that just raises the excitement level and the raises the ceiling for what the offense can be. Yeah, yeah. He seems to kind of have a cannon for an arm. And whether it's just because he doesn't have the scars from getting picked off, throwing deep, or who knows what there. Right. He's just willing to sling it. And yeah, you're right. That has been something that's definitely been fun to watch. It's one thing if the team isn't crazy successful and it's just an embarrassment i.e. my fandom of the Patriots at the moment, or uh, if they're at, you know, actually in maybe not too much of a better situation, who knows, but like they are, I mean, I, well, we'll say that the Titans are certainly better, but it's actually, you're right. Like it's fun to watch. It's encouraging. You're seeing all those things. Um, and, and, you know, I was looking, you know, just over your Twitter before uh, today, having you on the show. And it was interesting. I saw you saying to a couple people like, it's odd that so many Titans fans assumed that Levis wasn't going to be the starter going forward. You know, we saw Vrabel come out and say he's going to be the guy now going forward. And you were making it seem like, okay, this was an obvious choice once we've seen the guy, especially like, why to you was it the obvious choice to put Levis in there instead of Tannehill? I know you alluded to it a bit with looking for the future, but just in so far as giving them the best chance to win now, even as you mentioned, why is it an obvious choice that Levis? is a better uh, you know person to go to than Tannehill. I think just the excitement that he's bringing to this offense. And like I said, the, uh, the raising the ceiling of it. And I think I saw some stuff on the film breakdown where he's elevating the players around him to an extent that Tannehill wasn't. And I want to be very respectful of Ryan Tannehill because like as a Titans fan and just what he did for this team over the last four years was, is truly something to be appreciated. I think he's probably the second best quarterback in franchise history behind Steve McNair, mm. keeping it to Titans era, of course, um, behind Steve McNair. I mean, he brought them to an AFC championship game. He won playoff games. He brought them to the playoffs in three out of his four seasons as a starter. Like he was a great quarterback for this team, but he's older now. And I think the version of the Titans with Tannehill peaked, like we saw what it could be in 2019. I think the Titans were maybe kind of chasing that model for the last three years and finally, this year, it just it wasn't working. He's taking too many sacks. Wasn't I mean, when he did attack downfield, like his one of his last passes it wasn't the last pass, but it was one of his last passes was the deep shot in the Ravens game that was like woefully underthrown and intercepted. And maybe his ankle affected that throw and he couldn't plant and step into it and throw it all the way. Maybe, maybe not, because his arm strength has been dwindling over this. I mean, we've seen it this season. So I just think Will Levis gave them the best chance to win because he's getting the ball out quickly which is something Tannehill wasn't doing. And then when he's not getting the ball out quickly, he's doing a really good job in the pocket. Something I didn't expect from Will Levis, because one of the knocks on him right. coming out of Kentucky was like, he doesn't feel the pass rush. He takes off too quickly, or he just stands in the pocket and gets blindsided and sacked. And I think that he maybe does still take off too quickly. It's happened like three or four snaps in these, these first two starts where 
something goes wrong and he just kind of tucks and runs and doesn't stand in the pocket, doesn't keep his eyes downfield. That's something he's going to need to work on for sure. But as far as feeling the, the rush around him, he's doing the subtle movement in the pocket, slide stepping to his right, slide stepping to his left, stepping up, stepping back, throwing under pressure, throwing with a guy in his face, or his fourth touchdown pass in the Falcons game. He just kept backing up to buy time for the route to develop down the field, just right. backing up, backing up, backing up away from pressure, sort of like that Patrick Mahomes thing that he used to torture defenses with hasn't been doing as much yeah. recently in his career, but that thing where you just like keep backing up to buy time and then you have the arm strength right. to make that kind of throw. He has the arm strength. He needs to be a little bit better with his accuracy in the short to intermediate areas. Okay. He's it's not that he's not accurate. It's a consistency thing. Like sometimes he's pinpoint and sometimes he's just way off. Mm. Um, and then I think you, you, you fix that little issue. You keep your eyes downfield when you're rolling out of the pocket a little bit better than he has been. He could, I mean, I'm not saying it's way too early to say what he will or won't be, but he has the tools to be great. He mm -hmm. just has to have the consistency using those tools to achieve it. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the under pressure things. I don't, I think this might've been a college stat, um, and he's only had two games in the NFL. So I would assume that it is, uh, I think it was what a 36% completion percentage when he was under pressure. Is that accurate? I don't know if we've seen that. Have you seen, uh, when he's under pressure, does that significantly fall because you think that it's a mechanical thing or you mentioned the the eyes down field thing? Um, and just in general with the accuracy, uh, again, I'm not like a quarterback mechanic expert by any means, but his release is like, first of all, it's like quick and it's super fun to watch, but it's like one of those um that you you see and it's nobody else that i know in the nfl right now has anything like it i have so i don't know if it has anything to do with just his style of throwing the ball or a platform that he throws from or anything like that but um from an under pressure perspective and then as you mentioned the um the the accuracy short to mid there is there anything mechanically that you think he needs to improve on or is that fine and it's it's more of just like a it's yeah more of a mental thing I do think that there is some mechanical stuff there, but I hesitate to attribute it too much because one of the one of his strengths is that he can throw basically from any platform and from his he can change his arm angle. And that's something that we've seen so far through his first two starts is like the the throwing off platform thing. A lot of quarterback coaches will tell you that you need to be married feet eyes, shoulders, arm, they all need to be in sync. And then if your feet are off, your legs are off, or if your hips are pointing the wrong way, then you're not going to be accurate. But then you go watch someone like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, and it's like, throw all that out the window, their ability to throw off platform and to throw at any arm angle is what makes them special. So on the one hand, I do think if if Levis was a little tighter mechanically, and not always throwing off platform and from these crazy arm angles, then maybe he would be a little more accurate in that in those short to intermediate areas. But at the same time, it's like, you don't want to take away something that could make him special and the ability to throw off platform is what helps him, you know, beat pressure when he's throwing with a man in his face. Like one of his throws against the Steelers, the third and 13 conversion, he like steps to his right to avoid pressure, steps up in the pocket. He's got a guy hitting him from behind and a guy hitting him in the chest as he delivers a ball perfectly on target for a third and 13 completion. It's like if he's worried too much about setting his feet in those moments, like then you don't get right. plays like that. And you, you need plays like that because you help fix problems in your offense, third and 13, two, two pass rushers get through and you're still able to convert. That's the kind of thing that he brings to the offense that Ryan Tannehill wasn't bringing. 
Right. And I think, like you mentioned, those are the things that can be, you know, helpful in that encouraging. Yeah, it's great to see him pass for four touchdowns in his first start, but to see those other things like you're mentioning uh, that can that can you know, be part of what maybe Titans fans have to, to look forward there. So one of the best passes that uh, he's had that you mentioned, at least on your film breakdown, kind of the, the beginning, again, everybody should check out that Music City Audible podcast on YouTube uh, for this film breakdown, uh, was a pass to Traylon Burks. It ended up being incomplete. I think when we all kind of saw that live there uh, against the Falcons, it was like, oh my goodness. And like, just right in, you like you mentioned, the bucket, uh, you know, kind of in between that gap of the safety and the cornerback there. Just a great throw. Of course, um, Burks doesn't end up uh, catching it there. But um, to to move on to Burks, uh, we see him injured now. He had that unfortunate, uh, looked like a really bad concussion. I don't know if you had any really update on that. Um, but my question uh, with Traylon Burks, you know, he's going to need some people to throw to. Is Burks going to be one of those guys going forward that the Titans are going to be able to rely on? Is is Traylon Burks ever going to be a thing for this Titans offense, in in your opinion, and from what you've seen so far? So I, at this point in his career, it would be a surprise to me if he ends up being, as you say, a thing. Right. <laughs> um, it was. It's funny because all offseason, he, so reports out of tra- like the spring stuff, OTAs, team periods and and then training camp was like Traylon Burks is a different dude this guy came in in shape remember the last yes. year there was all the asthma concerns and everything like that exactly. this dude came in in shape he's been working out in Nashville in the heat in preparation for this he he's knows the playbook he understands the route tree better like he is putting in the work he's making plays in training camp and it got the like the Titans fan base to have this sentiment of if he can stay healthy right he's gonna break out he can't stay healthy. And the concussion was an unfortunate thing. It's his second concussion in his career so far. He had one last year as a rookie too. Mm -hmm. And it was really bad. I mean, he was knocked out on the field. They had to bring out the stretcher. If anyone watched the Thursday night game, you you remember this moment, they had to bring out the stretcher for him. He was actually taken to a hospital uh, nearby, or it was determined whether or not he, they put him in an ambulance and took him out of the stadium. I don't know if he actually went to the hospital. Um, And then this week, he hasn't practiced at all this week. He's going to take it easy. I can't imagine he plays again for the next, like, definitely not this week. He hasn't passed concussion protocol. I would be hesitant to say he'll play week 11 either. I think the earliest we see him is week 12, but I could also see him missing a month. I mean, that was, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, I know like concussion severity, there's arguments over if that's even a thing, but like this was a very severe concussion. So um, from that standpoint, I wouldn't expect him to be in the lineup for the next few weeks. And if he does come back to the lineup, it's like, can he contribute at a, on a meaningful level? Like he's a couple inches away from having two really nice catches down the sideline from Will Levis. Like he was a guy that Tim Kelly said in Thursday's Titans offensive coordinator in his Thursday press conference this week, they asked him about Will Levis throwing down the sideline to Traylon Burks on fourth and four when he basically had a, an open Kyle Phillips underneath. And Kim Kelly was like, that's a matchup that we identified in our pregame like st- preparation. We wanted to get Traylon Burks one-on-one down the sideline like that. If that throw was a few more inches inbounds, we'd be sitting here talking about first and goal instead of a failed fourth down. It's like the coaching staff still identifies Traylon Burks as a matchup that they like against certain players. So there's still something to be encouraged by. I Again, I'd be surprised if he's like a really big-time contributor. I think he's going to be one of those guys that makes a chunk play. Like from a fantasy standpoint, it's going to be like 
three points, two points, three points, 18 points, four points, one point, 17 points. Like he's not someone that you're going to be able to consistently put in your lineup. I don't think from that standpoint, but I think he is going to be a good number three receiver. If the Titans draft somebody next year and still have DeAndre Hopkins, like he's going to be one of the best number threes, but I don't think he's ever going to be more than like a number two in an offense. Yeah, that hurts too. I'm sure, like you said, Titans fans, but also to fantasy managers, as you mentioned, the fantasy (laughs) angle of things. Yeah. As a first former first rounder that in their second year. Yeah. It's just a tough thing. Like when you can't really get off the ground, you know, somebody even like they're totally different players, but someone like Rashad Bateman too, you know, just can't really stay on the field. There's plenty of other examples out there, but even if you are a talented person, it's if you don't get going in those first couple of years, it's just really tough. And yeah, he only played, uh, I think it was 11 games last year. I don't even know if all of those he got all the way through all of them this year out of the eight that have been played. We see five, um, uh, you know, and and as you mentioned, he might be out for a significant amount of time there. So it's just a really challenging uh, situation to come back from. I did have a quick question for uh, related to Burks and Kyle Phillips. Who has a better year next year, Burks or Kyle Phillips? Interesting question. I think it depends on volume. Kyle Phillips is really good, underrated. I mean, you, there's those like charts that have been floating around of like average separation per route run, and mm-hmm. Kyle Phillips is like way, way above league average. He's the only player on the Titans who's generating separation at an above average level, and like most Titans players are way below average in terms of separation per route. And Kyle Phillips is at like over, almost three yards per route, uh, oh. three yards of separation per route run. He gets gets open. And his issue has also been staying healthy. Like all these guys just got to stay healthy. I would guess from a purely production standpoint, like yards and receptions, Kyle Phillips will be ahead of Traylon Burks next year. I think their roles are very different. Kyle Phillips is like a slot underneath type of guy who can also run down the seam on occasion, but he's not going to be like a deep route burner type of guy. He's going to be your underneath, like your Julian Edelman type of receiver, Wes Welker type of guy underneath. And Burks is going to be like a guy that just runs go routes. And every once in a while, they actually throw on to him. <laughs> I think okay. that's what his role is going to be reduced to. Um, like like deep posts and deep goes and stuff like that. Uh, and then the occasional end around like he saw in the Steelers game. So I, if I had to guess today, I would say Kyle Phillips. But that also depends on him staying healthy because he's also had issues with that in his short career so far. Right. Okay, well, moving on to the the guy who's the best uh, receiver on the team, as you mentioned, help me figure out Hopkins. Obviously, I mean, there was some doubt whether he still had it or not. Levis comes into the lineup and it's like, oh, I guess he still does, right? So um, (laughs) (laughs) um, from a Hopkins perspective, how is he going to fit into the team in the future here? Uh, contractually, I'm, you know, just looking at things, um, and it's, it seems like they have a potential out this coming off season. I don't know if they want to utilize that or not. Uh, then he has like an $8 million base salary, but the, the Titans, uh, and we can talk about the future here, uh, in a little bit too, have a lot of cap space next year. So I don't know if they're really worried about whether or not he's on the roster next year, but will they have to think about an extension or a restructure or anything like that? Is he going to want anything additional? How, how does Hopkins play into the future here with the Titans? I think from the Titans side of things, you got a young quarterback who in next year would be in his second year. You want to surround him with guys that can get open and catch the ball and definitely veteran guys on that front. So I think Hopkins would definitely be in their plans the question is, from Hopkins' side, does he want to play on the final year of a contract? Does he want a little more security than that? I don't think 
I think Hopkins is going to be a Titan no matter what happens next season. But I do think there's a question of will they negotiate an extension or a restructure or give him a little more money? Because at this point, he is a bargain because he kind of had to prove that he still had it, as you said, mm-hmm. um, this season. And I think his production with Ryan Tannehill, like he didn't catch a touchdown from Ryan Tannehill right. in, yeah. you know, six games with Tannehill. He plays one game with Will Levis and catches three touchdowns. It's like, Right. Was Tannehill just not throwing it to him or what's the issue here? I mean, his second touchdown in that game was a great move by him. He like catches the ball at the 12 ish yard line and then just runs and spins through tackles to get into the end zone. But the other two were like the quarterback helped make it happen. His first touchdown was like, he wasn't even open and he wasn't even supposed to get the ball. He's like running a clear out go route. And Will Levis is like, well, the safety came down. So I'm going to chuck it up to him, throws it up where only Hopkins can really run underneath the ball. It wasn't even like, a throw to him. It was like a throw to a spot and just Hopkins being a great receiver, being able to make that adjustment and running under the ball. It's like, maybe all it took was a quarterback with the aggressive mentality to like, well, my guy has a one-on-one. I'm just going to throw it up to him and see what happens. And I don't think Ryan Tannehill was giving that to Hopkins and in the red zone, like he wasn't getting a lot of targets, but he wasn't getting, there wasn't a lot of like designed drop back passing game in the red zone. Anyway, it was like, give the ball to Derrick Henry or like run a little play action boot and see if you can hit a tight end type of deal. And the Titans red zone offense was putrid when Tannehill was the starter for the first five games. And it hasn't been all that much better with Will Levis, to be honest, but that is one area the Titans need to improve. Anyway, all this back to Deandre Hopkins. I don't know what, what was up with him with the first five games. I mean, he had 100 yard game in that stretch, Mm -hmm. but he did, uh, he did look really good with Will Levis as his quarterback. And I think we'll see that continue. We'll try. We'll have to see how defenses adjust because, especially with Traylon Burks injured, are teams just gonna double DeAndre Hopkins and make Will Levis go elsewhere with the ball? Is Will Levis gonna listen to that, or is he just gonna be like, "Eh, DeAndre Hopkins is better. I'm just gonna keep throwing it to him." <laughs> um, right. We'll see how that shakes out, but I do think that it'll be interesting to see how defenses start to adjust as the season goes on. But regardless, DeAndre Hopkins is most likely in the Titans' plans for next year because. You got a young quarterback like that, you need to surround him with guys who can make plays, and Hopkins is one of those guys still. Yeah, that makes sense, and that you know is something that's super important, and we see that with the young, successful quarterbacks. Almost every single one of them has somebody who is a legit wide receiver one uh, who who is a regular guy you can throw to, like you mentioned, in contested situations, almost like, screw it, he's down there somewhere, you know? So yeah. um, that's the type of <laughs> the thing. Old Rex, the old Rex Grossman yeah. mentality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if we can get that going forward for him, that's good. But uh, if, as you mentioned, if, if defenses do change, maybe we see, you know, we, we talked about Kyle Phillips or somebody like that become a little bit more of a factor. But uh, somebody that had some hype coming into the season, and maybe hasn't lived up to it uh, would be Chig Okonkwo, the tight end there. Um, Second-year player, I believe, right? So how has he, in your eyes, been a fit in the offense? Does his fit change at all with Levis coming into the lineup? What do you anticipate from him going forward? I know a lot of people were very excited about him, and there hasn't really been – I mean, the tight end position in general in, in the NFL – uh, kind of is a dearth of production unless, you know, for except for a few guys. So what type of uh, role do you see him having going forward? And has he missed the expectations or or, or should we have maybe not been as hyped on, on him coming into the season? Yeah, I think uh, he has been a disappointment overall this year. And one thing like last year he was in 2022, he was one of the most efficient receiving tight ends in the league. And 
His overall PFF grade was 75.4, but he wasn't playing that many snaps. He played less than 50% of snaps. This year, he's playing a lot more. He's blocking a lot more. He's not been a fantastic blocker. I mean, it's only a second year. Tight ends typically take, I mean, mean, look at a guy like Travis Kelsey. It took him like six years to even become productive in any facet at all, right? right? And it's a different era now. Kelsey's old. So the guys coming into the league, you expect them to be good earlier. They've been playing you know, receiving style football since they were younger and all that, like the passing game is trickling down to younger and younger people. So the players are more ready, pro ready when they get to the league, but blocking is still really hard and adjusting from blocking in college to blocking in the NFL. I mean, tight ends are asked to block like offensive linemen and run routes like wide receivers. It's a one of the, probably the toughest job outside of like quarterback and cornerback in the, in the, in the league. I think it's one of the tougher positions and the transition is harder because of that. So when Chig wasn't asked to block, he just came in, you know, 45 ish percent of snaps ran a route against a linebacker. He's athletic. He has sure. good hands. He was making plays and he was one of the more efficient, like yards per route run yards after catch per reception, those kinds of metrics. He was near tops of the league last year, this year, he's playing a lot more snaps. He's blocking a lot more and his receiving is, is like, taking a hit because of it. I don't know if he's like yeah. more tired, if he wasn't like ready to play this many snaps yet conditioning wise or what the deal is. But like we saw him uh, drop, he's been dropping passes uncharacteristically. Like this is a guy who had pretty good hands last year. And this year it's like the ball hits him right in the hands. He drops it. It's like been, a, it's been an issue for him this season. I don't know what, if it's like a mental issue or if he's just playing too many snaps or what the deal is, his PFF grade this year, 56.1 overall, even his receiving PFF grade, 57.6. Like last year he was 84.6 PFF receiving grade. So I don't know. I mean, last season he, uh, he was just a much more efficient guy. And there was a lot of talk in the off season, like, can he maintain those efficiency stats as he gets more, more looks and more snaps in the offense and the answer so far has been not even close. So it, he has been a disappointment, I would say. Where does he fit now with Will Levis? I mean, you'd hope he can be a guy that can like run down the seam and, mm-hmm. and take advantage of mismatches. You'd hope he can be a guy that can catch a screen pass and break a few tackles. I don't know if anyone remembers Malik Willis's first career start was against the Chiefs last, last season. Okay. And one of the first plays of the game was like a little screen to Chigaconquo where he catches it like five yards in the backfield ran through about eight tacklers and picked up like 60 yards on the play before he was finally chased down. Where's that guy? Right. I haven't seen that guy breaking tackles like that. I haven't seen it. They've run a few plays on when it's like third and long and they're like, well, maybe Chig can break some tackles. Let's run a little like tunnel screen thing to him mm-hmm. where like, it looks like a short pass, but it's really a design screen with blockers out in front. And he's like break maybe half a tackle and then get taken down, like fight mm-hmm. through contact for a few extra yards. But he hasn't been doing what he did last year where it was just like, get off me, get off me, get off me. I'm running for 50 yards. Um, he had multiple plays like that last year. He doesn't have any like that this season. So they'll probably keep giving him chances to do that. And they'll probably try to look for him to beat guys down the seam and make big explosive plays with his athleticism mismatched against linebackers. But it just hasn't really been there yet. I do think after watching Dalton Schultz go for a hundred and something yards and a touchdown last week, 10 catches, hundred, whatever yards last week against the bucks Mm -hmm. that there's a chance this week with the Titans playing that same defense. I don't know. I put him in a daily fantasy lineup, see what happens, <laughs> but uh, I am biased. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, he's probably pretty cheap in there. And I mean, Hey, that, that makes sense for those of you who uh, do play DFS there. Um, yeah. I mean, the targets in the last two games with Levis are five and four, which is about level outside of one game uh, against Indianapolis where he had nine targets. But uh, so yeah, we'll see. I wonder if they have to utilize him any differently. Like you 
kind of alluded to as well. Um, you know, a lot of times we see guys who have more asked of them, you know, it's a different position, but Tony Pollard, for instance, uh, with the yeah. Cowboys this year, you know, like when you kind of become the guy, sometimes it's a little bit harder than just being, you know, part of like not on the field for every snap, as you mentioned, and doing every single thing. And uh, maybe there's just a lot going on mentally and physically there. And maybe perhaps we'll see, you know, once he gets used to some things, maybe more next year. Who knows? Um, yeah. Or down the second half of the season, you know, maybe he picks it up, but my hopes are kind of low for that to happen. It's possible, but I'm not counting on it. <laughs> okay, so we'll monitor that. I think, uh, you know, going back to guys and keeping guys around a young quarterback, Derrick Henry, I think a lot of people were surprised that he wasn't traded at the deadline there. It seemed like somebody who was obviously, you know, to a lot of you know, people, someone like the Ravens would pick him up or somebody like that, but uh, they held on to him or maybe they didn't get the offers that they wanted if they were willing to shop him. Uh, but, you know, now that he's stuck around and we've seen some good stuff from Levis, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, he is quite a bit older now. Um, is he over 30 yet? He's he's getting close. He turns he's 30 in January. Okay, so um, obviously early on in his career, he didn't have a ton of, uh, you know, workload that maybe wore him down. And I mean, he is just a totally different guy. There's really nobody else like him in the league. But how long can can this continue? You know, we've got the younger guy. He is smaller in Tajay Spears, uh, who's looked good at times, I think. Um, and you can give us your input there as well. But is Henry on the team this year? Were you surprised that he was still here on the team after the trade deadline? What's his role in helping Levis going forward as well, maybe taking some of that pressure off? Or or do we expect him to be able to do that as he ages and maybe we need to see that from somebody else like Spears? Yeah, I think I was surprised that Henry was still on the team after the trade deadline. And I, I had like mentally prepared myself as a not only someone who covers the team, but just as a fan of the team to say like, Man, it's been a great run. I wore a Derrick Henry shirt on the Sunday before the trade deadline thinking I might not get to wear this shirt again. <laughs> and uh, then he was still on the team. And I, I honestly wonder if Will Levis changed their minds. If Will Levis came in and was better than they expected him to be. And they were like, you know what? Maybe we should see if we can still go for it this year. They've been trying to straddle this fence now for the last two years where it's like, are we rebuilding or are we go like building to go for it? Where it's like right. they drafted Malik Willis in the third round two years ago. They drafted Will Levis in the second round last year. And it's like it's been semi-obvious to some fans that it's like we kind of need to start the rebuild sooner than later here. Like we can't keep straddling here because you're just going to end up eight and eight or I guess eight and eight's not a thing anymore, but eight and nine, yeah. nine and eight and a mid round pick. You're never going to get that franchise quarterback. You're never going to get the difference maker you really need. So they've been straddling that line. I wonder if this was a little more straddling where they're like, well, let's see what Will Levis can do. You know, if we lose games, it's not the worst thing because we get a higher draft pick. If we win games, then everyone builds confidence and maybe we make a dumb playoff run here with our rookie <laughs> quarterback. Let's keep the the king around just in case something happens. And I also think if you are going to turn to a rookie as your like leader of the offense, mm. mentioned having Hopkins there helps as, as a veteran presence, but Derrick Henry is truly a leader on this team. And he's a guy that like, there has been a lot of rep like reports by from the Titans local media about like what kind of impact he has, how early in his career, he was a very quiet kind of kept to himself kind of guy. And over time, as he gained more confidence and became, you know, the player that we know of he is today, like his vocal, like the amount that he spoke up in practice, if they try to like, they ran a running play and they missed a block or something like him, he would get everyone in line 
and make mm. them line up again and run it again until they ran it right. Like he's the guy that like holds his teammates accountable, especially like offensive linemen accountable. We actually saw a moment like this in the Steelers game. I think it was a Steelers game where somebody on the Titans got up and like got in the face of a Steelers player and Derrick Henry went up to them and was like, Hey, what are you doing? Get get your ass to the huddle like don't start a fight don't get a flag we got a drive going here you're gonna ruin everything for us and it's like that presence it it's more than just the numbers and the stats will will tell you you know like having a guy like that especially like i said when you have a rookie quarterback can really help keep guys you know on track on your offense and so his contract is up at the end of this season will he be a titan next year I think he helps Tennessee more than he helps any other team. Like unless he himself personally feels like he needs to go somewhere else to win a Super Bowl, if that's like the most important thing to him and and to some guys it is, and you can't fault them for that. If he wants to go like join a, a true contender next off season and take a bit of a pay cut, like I think Tennessee would be willing to pay him more than any other team. They have the cap space. He may take a different role in the offense where he's not an every down back anymore, but having just his presence on the team where he knows the guys and the coaches know him. And I know for a fact that Mike Vrabel absolutely loves him. He he's one of Mike Vrabel's favorite players on the Titans. So from that standpoint, I could totally see the Titans wanting to strike a two year deal with him. See if he has anything left in the tank after this season. If he doesn't, you, you know, you have Tajay Spears, you like Tajay Spears, Tajay Spears is a guy who has been very explosive in limited attempts. He's proven that he can catch the ball out of the backfield and make guys miss. He is like a one-cut zone running scheme type of guy, which is what the Titans run the most of in their offense right now. Like, make that one cut, get downfield, make a guy miss. He has that ability to make guys miss in space. We've seen that already in his, you know, the few touches he's had this year. If they did have to turn it over to him, I do wonder. You just mentioned the Tony Pollard situation. I do wonder, like, is Tajay Spears a feature back? Does he have the body type? That Can he withstand the, the pounding that that would take? He doesn't have an ACL. Like, he, in one of his knees, he literally yeah. does, doesn't even have an ACL. Like, can he take the pounding of a 25-carry game, which is, if you're the Titans' lead running back, like, that's how the Titans play football under Mike Vrabel is, like, the lead back's going to get that many carries. And now that hasn't necessarily been the case this year, actually, because Derrick Henry and Tajay have been splitting carries. And there's been a, a handful of games where Tajay has outsnapped Derrick Henry, yeah. which is interesting, but those are mostly game script related because the Titans have been losing by big amounts and they're trying to run the ball or they're not trying to run the ball anymore. They're trying to pass the ball. Right. And Spears has like become the passing down back already. But it kind of reminds me of when Derrick Henry was very young, first and second year, and the Titans had DeMarco Murray. Mm-hmm. And they sort of like, it was almost like they ran Murray into the ground a little too much and they needed to give the ball to their young rookie second year running back behind him a little more than they did. And DeMarco Murray was great for the Titans. And I think he was only with the Titans for one year and it was Henry's rookie season. So they, uh, they had a guy who was like very productive in his career, but on the back end of it. And they had a young guy that they were excited about and they actually traded for DeMarco Murray from the Eagles. They brought him over from the Eagles for that one year. I could see like when everyone thought he was done. Remember, every, after his time with Chip Kelly and the Eagles, everyone was like, DeMarco Murray's toast. And he came to the Titans and had like a 1,400-yard season, led the AFC in rushing, um, third overall in the league, I believe. So I think you could see a similar situation with the Titans next year where you bring back Derrick Henry. Everyone kind of thinks maybe he's he's over the hill, and he's like your first and second down running back for most of the game. But then there's drives where it's Tajay Spears' time, and midway through the season, you're like, well, this guy might be running out of gas, but we do have the young guy behind him that you can rely on. So I think that's what they try. And if 
Tajay Spears proves that he can't handle a workload the way Tony Pollard is kind of proving it right now in Dallas, then the following season, maybe you draft another guy in like the third through fifth round at some point and, and you create a two back system and Henry by then is, is on his way out the door. So I think this is a really long answer, but to answer your question, <laughs> I do think Derek Henry will be back next season. If I had to bet on it, I would bet that he would be back. I'm not saying he will for sure, but I would bet on that he would be back. And I think he and Tajay are going to continue to split carries and they're both going to be effective guys. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And again, just to go harken back to what we were mentioning, keeping guys around a, a rookie or in this case, a, a second year quarterback, assuming that they continue with Will Levis, which seems like it might be the case. So, um, yeah, it could be super important. And it's not like we've seen running backs get a whole lot of money uh, recently, even the guys who are elite. Um, you know, so I can't imagine that a 30 year old running back looking for a new team no matter how good he has or hasn't been in the past is something that a lot of teams like you mentioned the titans are probably going to be one of the people that you know are willing to give him the most amount of money i wouldn't be surprised that that makes a ton of sense so uh that's some good insight there that makes that makes sense to me so um you know just looking towards the future we mentioned it a couple times uh i believe this coming offseason, uh, you know, I'm not a cap guru, but I think they have a hundred million dollars, according to over cap, uh, in cap space this coming offseason. What I mean, it seems like the Levis thing maybe changes it because again, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, is Levis going to be the starter for this team? Obviously, it was just the preseason, but I would have said absolutely not. They're going to be looking for a guy. Uh, now we maybe that's not the case. Uh, what does Levis need to show? through these last, you know, through this last stretch of the season here to keep the Titans from exploring other opportunities. Um, and then also maybe talk through, we mentioned Henry, we expect to stay. If Levis is here, Tannehill's probably gone. Um, I, I should have looked at his contract before asking this question, but is he it's around out this? It's out. Yeah, his contract ends after this season. Yeah. Okay. So they're not really going to get anything for him other than what, like, I guess a comp pick maybe. Um, so what, um, yeah, what do you see going forward? What does Levis need to do? How do they spend that money? What do you think they're doing here? I think Levis needs to show that he not only has a big arm, but he knows when to use it and when not to use it. And this is something that I talked about in that film breakdown you've referenced a couple of times, but there was a third and seven before halftime of the Falcons game where they're at like the 48 yard line or something like that. And if they pick up seven yards to get a first down, they are in a, closer to field goal range it's like 44 seconds before the half and he throws it to like the one guy who's double covered because he ran the go route and he's got mm -hmm. three guys underneath running like across the field that are all open all three of them were open and he throws the go route before he really even comes off that read and the safety had dropped to double coverage it's like it's not there and i know he has that arm and like you have to be careful with a guy like this not that you don't neutralize their arm strength and you don't take away their aggressiveness because the aggressiveness, if anything is going to make Will Levis great, it's the ability and the willingness to attack downfield. So you don't want to take that away from his game, but he needs to show improvement in his decision-making in terms of when to take those shots and when to just take the layup underneath, take the first down and keep the drive alive, you know, so you can call timeout and, and get points on the drive, whether it's a field goal or you get shots to the end zone after that. And same thing on the fourth and four against the Steelers. It's like you have Kyle Phillips coming open underneath and you take the deep shot to Traylon Burks. Even if Tim Kelly did say in his press conference that they like that matchup and if it's a, the throws a few inches inside, you're talking about first and goal. But the margin for error on a sideline shot, one-on-one -on -one shot like that 
is very slim. Your ball has to be pretty well placed for that to be completed versus the underneath shot. That's like a, a six yard throw from line of scrimmage to where the ball is longer, obviously if you're dropped in the pocket, but that's a, a throw that doesn't have, has a bigger margin for error. You can be a little more off target and your guy can still come down with the catch because it's just an easier throw to make. So those moments are going to be big for him. He hasn't shown if he can or cannot be clutch yet. You know, in the Falcons game, the Titans were winning for basically the whole game. So he didn't mm. he didn't need to put the team on his back and go do anything. The Steelers game was a little bit different. They didn't really give him a chance, though, because when they got the ball back with four minutes left, down by four, needing a touchdown, they ran the ball three times in a row, and then it was fourth and four, and that's the play that I'm talking about where he threw it down the field. But right. he's a rookie quarterback. You got to give your rookie shot. quarterback – more than one yeah. chance to convert here. The next time the Titans touched the ball, they had no timeouts. They had like a minute left in the game and they had to drive 80 yards down the field. Like that's almost an impossible situation. You can hardly fault him for that. When you have no timeouts, all your throws have to be to the sideline or you have to run up and spike the ball immediately. Then you get like around the 20 yard line with 11 seconds left and you just have to take end zone shots. Cause if you complete a pass in the field of play, it's over. And the defense knows that too. So like it was sort of an impossible situation for him at the end of that Steelers game. It wasn't like he had a real chance to run a two minute drive down by a touchdown. Can he be clutch and go get this touchdown? Um, because the last, the time he actually touched the ball, it's like the defense knows what's happening. This is, this is impossible situation. So, um, when you have no timeouts like that, I think that's what we need to see from him here is just like continuing to grow with the decision-making process, continuing to be aggressive, prove that the Falcons game was not a fluke where you can throw three long touchdowns like that um, and prove that you can sustain that over the course of half of a season here as we see him play out the last eight or nine weeks of this year and uh, I guess eight weeks of this year and and don't regress in terms of like your decision-making to interceptions because he had a little bit of an interception problem in college. It hasn't been an issue yet through two weeks. He was trying to throw that game losing interception. It seemed like <laughs> the whole drive against the Steelers, he had like three dropped interceptions before the actual one was picked off. So don't regress in terms of that category. And I think he will prove that he is the Titans guy going forward. I think he's going to be like his, his floor to me now is like Jay Cutler level of quarterback, which okay. like, can Jay Cutler win you a Super Bowl? I don't know. He's got to have the perfect team around him. Like there is the, the debate to be made that like Will Levis is only going to be an average quarterback, like 16th to 12th best quarterback in the league. He could go on and prove that he has the ceiling to be better than that. And I think like, you know, Titans fans are hoping that he will be better than that. But I think, I mean, it's only been two games, so it's hard to say through two games, but I think he has shown that at, at the least he will be a starting level quarterback for the Titans going forward. So I do think that they will go into next season with him as a starter. So what do they do with all the cap space? They are going to have the most cap space of any team in the league. The mm -hmm. Bears were set to be that team until they signed Montez Sweat to this huge extension after trading for him a few days ago. So now it's the Titans. What are they going to do with all that money? It's hard to say because if you sign free agents on the free agent market, you're almost always overpaying you know, over the market price. You have to like reset the market price for basically any position that you sign in free agency. And then mm -hmm. the really good players, most of the time their teams don't let them go. So are you going to sign a guy who doesn't deserve to be the top paid, whatever, left tackle, Titans need a left tackle? Are you going to sign the guy that doesn't deserve necessarily to be the top paid left tackle as one of the top paid left tackles in the NFL, even though he's only like the 12th best left tackle in the NFL, to come in and be your guy? The Titans are hoping that they're going to have a fairly high draft pick. I mean, they're not hoping that because they don't want to lose games, but Titans fans are hoping that they will have a fairly sure. high draft pick. It's a pretty deep class when it comes to left tackles and wide receiver tackles in general and wide receivers. The Titans really need a left tackle and they could really use some more wide receiver help. 
if they continue to lose games, they could end up in the conversation. You know, the, the Joe Burrow conversation that the Bengals had, should they take Jamar Chase or should they take Panay Sewell? Yeah. And they took Jamar Chase, right? And how's that worked out for them? I'd say pretty well. Should the Titans take Marvin Harrison Jr. or Joe Alt? You know, like, mm. I don't know if they're going to pick high enough to have that conversation, but that could be a talking point. And I think it will be a huge talking point for Titans fans is like, do you go tackle or receiver with your first pick in the draft? And then do you attack a different one of the other ones in free agency? Or do you wait to the second round? Titans don't currently have a third round pick, so they'd have to make some trades happen to even have a third round pick this this year. T. Higgins is expected to hit the market. I think he'd be a great fit in Tennessee. A guy across from DeAndre Hopkins, a younger player than DeAndre Hopkins, but a guy that can make similar types of plays. Um, someone that can like do what you hoped Traylon Burks can do, which is like make contested catches down the field and be a guy that can move the chains at the same time. He might get he might command twenty five million dollars a year in the free right. agent market. But if you're the Titans, you got a hundred million dollars in space, like maybe that's a move you have to make because otherwise you're relying on hitting on a draft pick and then you're relying on that draft pick coming in and contributing immediately as a rookie. And if you get anyone other than Marvin Harrison Jr., how can you be confident that they are going to be good enough right away? I mean, you can't be, even if you believe you're a good talent evaluator, like no one's good enough to just hit right. on a, every rookie pick, right? Like it's a, it's a crapshoot. The draft is a crapshoot. So Maybe it's worth investing in a guy like T. Higgins, even if you're going to overpay. You're going to pay him like he's the a top three receiver in the league, and he's not that. But sometimes you have to do that when you make a free agency move. I'm not sure what the tackle market looks like in free agency. I know the Titans entered that market this past offseason, came away with Andre Dillard mm -hmm. and Chris Hubbard, and uh, that's not going great. <laughs> Andre <laughs> Dillard might be the yeah. worst starting tackle in the league right now. So yeah. um, I'd love for them to draft a tackle and sign T Higgins, but I don't know if that's what they're going to do. They also need some better secondary play. Christian Fulton set to be a free agent. So are they going to sign a big name cornerback? Maybe they do that. They just traded Kevin Byard. Are they going to sign like a safety right. to replace him? Tr uh, Tremaine Edmonds is not that guy. So um, yeah, we'll see how they attack things in free agency. They do have a lot of money to spend. Will they spend it? You know, there's teams that just don't always spend the money just because they have it. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to spend it. So That'll be interesting to see how Rand Carthon handles his second offseason as the general manager. Yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, you got to hope that T. Higgins does hit the marketplace. Or, yeah, maybe, I don't know if there'd be anybody that's available for trade, not to bring up a sore subject for Titans fans or for you maybe <laughs> personally, but we've seen that be successful for other teams, a la A.J. Brown and the Eagles. So, um, you know, yeah, it feels like you've been looking to replace that guy. Obviously, Hopkins is a really uh, important part of that team. And, yeah, if you can bring in somebody who's legit, opposite him that would be really really helpful so obviously yeah the ideal situation sounds like get some protection for him and if you can if you can get both jamar chase and Pene Sewell in a sense yeah yeah how awesome would that be and uh, maybe they can we'll see so uh you mentioned the the rest of the season here they've got the bucks coming up which i think may be a good you know litmus test a bit to see if we have any progression coming along uh for will levis as you mentioned the the texans just put one up on them uh you know in a big high scoring matchup and then uh, the jags the panthers winnable game colts winnable game dolphins that's tough texans yeah cj stroud has looked great but their defense isn't amazing and the you know they uh they still have a rookie QB, so maybe you can cook something up. Seahawks, Texans again, and then uh, the Jags to end the season there. So there's some winnable games, some tough uh, tests for the young uh, quarterback and the rest of that uh, team going forward there. But, 
Hey, uh, Justin, thanks so much for joining us uh, again, everybody. If you haven't, make sure to check out his YouTube uh, there. But before I let you go, is uh, do you want to just mention where people can find uh, you and your work? Sure, yeah. Thanks for that opportunity. So you can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it these days, at Titans Film Room, and check out our YouTube channel, the Music City Audible Podcast. Do a podcast there with my buddy Justin Mello. So we're the Justin and Justin Titans show. I think we're the only justin and justin titans podcast to ever exist yeah. so haven't verified that but I'd, I'd bet money on it um and i also do a lot of film breakdowns there mostly focusing on the titans but occasionally focusing on the titans opponents like when they got absolutely destroyed by the browns i decided to do a miles garrett film breakdown and he's probably your defensive player of the year through the first ten, nine weeks of the season so yeah check out the youtube channel the music city audible podcast and that would be much appreciated if you would do that thank you all right. Sounds good. Well, thanks again for joining us, everyone. We're glad to have you here. Don't forget to go and follow Justin, as he mentioned, listen and watch all of the work that he's doing for the most up-to-date information on the Titans. Also, don't forget to like, rate, and review this podcast, if you don't mind. It will help us out a lot. And if you haven't yet, be sure to check out our Patreon and all of our previous podcasts at our website, 32beatwriters.com. For Justin Graver, I'm Zach Haidu. We'll see you.